Thanks to Bombfell for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Bombfell is an online personal styling service for men that helps find the right clothes for you. Get $25 off your first purchase at bombfell.com/fool. That's b o m b f e l l.com/fool. It's Wednesday, August 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. We've got earnings. Holy cow, do we have earnings. We've got we're going to talk snack foods, we're going to talk the movie business, which uh, based on what's happening with uh, movie theater stocks today, uh, appears to be in a little bit of trouble. But we're going to start with the biggest fruit company out there and that is Apple. Third quarter revenue comes in north of $45 billion. And as impressive as that is, their gross profit margin, 38.5%. Was there a number that stood out to you with this quarter? Because for me, the gross profit margin continuing to just tick up just a little bit is maybe the most impressive thing about Apple. Well, that's a function in part of the services, um, which are, are higher margin, and those being a bigger chunk and growing faster than the rest of the company. In fact, growth is hard to uh, hard to anchor on with Apple because uh, you know with the cycle of new iPhones coming out, uh, it, it is not ten percent more sales every year over year kind of growth. Um, sometimes one of the iPhones hits, and and then there are Millions more units than the year before, and then you're off cycle, and and it's much less. Second quarter is always the weakest for Apple. So in terms of bottom line profitability, this is sort of the least important quarter. And more important is are they getting the new iPhone eight or whatever they're calling it out uh, in time uh, for September in time and the higher-end phone in time for Christmas, possibly. But it was a good quarter. Everything, uh, iPad, iMac, uh, iPhones, all sort of uh, outperformed expectations. So, do you think there's a legitimate chance they're going to miss this new iPhone release? I mean, I know that there are I know that there are rumors that the launch of the iPhone 8 is going to be pushed back, and part of those rumors are informed by a report out of Apple, because Apple puts a blackout period for their employees when something big is coming along and the blackout period for and it's essentially Apple saying look don't take any vacation for this block of time and reportedly the block of time is enormous this fall it's like early September to late November but they're not going to miss altogether are they miss altogether meaning like, like nothing out before is it gonna, Christmas you mean yeah. no no I, well i think that the that conference would be call, surprising. which I haven't listened to, but read some of the reports of, indicate that uh, Cook is presenting a you know normal uh, outlook for uh, the rollout of the phone. There are no indications there that that there's going to be a miss. Um, so I don't I don't know that the rumors the rumors do not have as much traction today that there's going to be a, a delay. This will be the 10 year anniversary of the release of the iPhone. Is it, in your mind, fair or unfair that there are heightened expectations for this iPhone release because it is the 10-year anniversary? Uh, that would be unfair because there's no no cause and effect there. You know, th- thinking that a 10-year anniversary has to lead to uh, anything significantly different is is uh, you know really the downfall of many marriages. You know. <laughs> 
that you get that expect like here's a 10 year anniversary somebody's got to deliver you know on this and then look really why why <laughs> just cuz it's 10 come on what did you do for your 10 year anniversary i honestly don't remember it was so long ago i, I delivered actually did you yeah yeah do tell here's here's what i did 10 year anniversary um we went back to i arranged uh every night for 10 nights to go back to I remember a this restaurant that had been a big part of our courtship years or early, uh, you know, getting to know each other uh, time, and with friends that we had lost touch with or were still in touch with, and and uh, it was a great way to revisit you know, old memories and and old friends and try to, and and it was a surprise every night as to where we were going. That was I. I don't remember what I did for our ten year anniversary, but what you did was so much better. Yeah, I and I've you know I'm not going to claim that other anniversaries have have lived up to that. But you're, you're just sort of coasting on it since then. Yeah, I'm still talking about it because like, I'm I don't know what anniversary I'm at now, but it's it's more than twenty. Well, and you know you may ask yourself, what does this have to do with investing? Uh, and the answer is, we see this all the time in the business world. It, companies just sort of coasting off of one great thing they did one time, uh, and the expectations that follow. Yeah, whatever Apple does is unlikely to match what I did for the 10-year anniversary. I think we can all agree on that. Well, I don't think there's going to be 10 nights worth of an iPhone 8 release, if that's what you're suggesting. Exactly. Like a new phone every day for 10 days, and you have no idea how good it's going to be. We better move on. Uh, second quarter results from Mondelez were overshadowed by the news that CEO Irene Rosenfeld is stepping down in November. She's going to remain as chair of the company uh, 11 years in the corner office for Irene Rosenfeld. And uh, kind of interesting that Mondelez uh, is bringing in an outsider, uh, uh, someone by the name of Dirk Vandeput, who's coming over from McCain Foods. They're bringing in an outsider, and that suggests to me that uh, all is not well in the house of Oreo at Mondelez. If if your thinking is, we need some fresh perspective, and we're going to bring in an outsider, I think that's what this move telegraphs, as opposed to, everything's been going so great for so long, we just need a top lieutenant to come in and keep this steady ship afloat. Well, it's it's reasonably tough times in the packaged food uh, services sector, and Mondelez has not really escaped that, and has not outperformed uh, the competition. So I can see going in a new direction as being one of the possible solutions, particularly over the last uh, maybe three years. Uh, it's it has not lived up to its the competition. So. You may be right about that. I, I haven't seen the details, and I'm sure they're not saying anything like that. But uh, it's been an underperforming stock for quite a long period of time. And the House of Wario, I mean, it, it's a lot more than that. Maybe, maybe not to you. It is the number one cookie brand, so I, I think biscuit. Biscuit? Yeah, it's in the biscuit division at Mondelez. Well, maybe that's part of their problem. <laughs> no, I mean when you when you see, I mean you showed me a story earlier this morning online, and it was it was a still photograph of Irene Rosenfeld, and as you indicated, Mondelez has many brands under its umbrella, and the brand that was prominently featured behind Irene Rosenfeld was in fact Oreos. So that's the one that they're most associated with. 
Yeah, uh, certainly it's the one that uh, we talk about the most on this show, although Cadbury is probably a bigger uh, part of the business, I believe. Uh, you know, they're the number one or two chocolate maker in uh, every country, every major market in the world, except uh, the US and China. Hershey number one here in the States? I believe Mars is number one. Okay. I'm not, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, not entirely sure whether it's Mars or Hershey, but uh, Mars. Possibly, and I don't know in China uh, who's number one, two, etc. I know, you know Hershey does not. Hershey's not really competition uh, around the rest of the world, so it's mostly Mars and Cadbury everywhere else. So, in terms of this new CEO coming in, beyond looking at the cost structure in the Oreo division, which is, as we've talked about before, incredibly bloated because they have way too many people working in the Oreo division, do you think that? My, that this new CEO is going to look to shed some of the brands that they have because that's a strategy we've seen from larger consumer goods companies. Procter and Gamble leaps to mind, but I'm just I'm thinking about the stock. I mean, they've got some really strong brands under their umbrella, and if it's kind of like when Ford Motor had a just a record year in terms of sales and the stock went nowhere and you could reasonably look at that and say if you just sold the most vehicles you've ever sold and that's not moving the stock I'm not entirely sure what does they've got the number 1 cookie brand do they need to start shedding some of these other underperforming brands in order to make this a stock worth owning well certainly getting rid of anything that is not worth the investment uh, makes sense and if you a new new leadership coming in can look at things and even though there may be people who have been you know working on one specific brand for a long time and you've got a lot of entrenched interests uh, new eyes can come in and say look I, you know chicklets really aren't going to be worth doing for the next 50 years. Uh, I don't think chiclets are in any danger, but uh, that's one of the many brands that they have. Uh, I don't know, when's the last time you had some chiclets? I, I think I was a child. I mean, that's how long ago it was. Yeah. Uh, so, the, I think the biggest uh, brand introduction of late that they keep talking about are the, uh, the Oreos brand chocolate uh, that they're selling now in the US, Oreos Milka, I guess. Did you have you ever heard of this? No, never heard of this. Let's get you started on Oreos. No. <laughs> I mean, you presented almost as fact that Oreos was this bloated division with way too many employees. I, I'm waiting for proof that it's not. I, look, if you work in the Oreo division, you should be quaking in your boots that a new CEO from a completely different company is going to be occupying the corner office because that's one of the first things. Kirk is going to do when he takes over and be like, uh, "Great, show me, show me the PNL on the Oreo division." Because uh, it, again, it's the number one cookie in the world, and somehow this is a stock that's gone nowhere for a year. And and your research into whether Oreos is a bloated division is going to grocery stores and getting angry at the number of choices that uh, flavors that one can get uh, with the Oreos brand on them now. Exactly. Way too many. Stop spending time and effort on these one-off insane flavor combinations. Just keep making the basic Oreos, the thin Oreos and the double stuff. You can you can even talk me into the chocolate-filled ones as well. But for crying out loud, just stop with the peeps or just stop. Just stop. Move on. You've already got a hit. Move on to other divisions. 
was it was it Peeps that really was that the the straw that yeah. broke? Yeah. <laughs> Peeps was the straw that broke my back on that one. <laughs> and then since then, you're just uh, you're kind of inundated online with uh, people researching these and sending them to you to the Facebook. And I appreciate the Twitter. that. Yeah. I appreciate. I, I always appreciate like, the research. Here's a little bit of anger for Chris Hill. <laughs> here's a picture of some new insane Oreos brand. It's two things. One is there's no substitute for boots on the ground research, so I always applaud that. And two, it signifies that I'm not the only one who thinks this way. It's other people taking photos and then tweeting them or, or posting them on Facebook and saying, "Oh my God, what are they doing over there?" I don't know. If I were going to do change something, I think I'd change the name of Oreos, Mondelez. Oh yeah. Like what is this? Just change it to Oreos. Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> But as a stock, it has underperformed any relevant period. You know, last year, most dramatically over the last year, three year, five year, ten year, fifteen year against the S and P and against uh, confectioners. It's it's just not it's not keeping up with the competition. And they've got a lot of well known brands, and their uh, playbook has been let's extend. Those brands by combining Oreos with Peeps or Chips Ahoy with I don't know root beer flavor or whatever they're doing over there, and now uh, Oreos Milka chocolate. So they've acquired a few brands, and um, you know they've, they've paid out a bunch of dividends. That's probably been a better use of their capital than some of the acquisitions. Uh, but I I would agree with what appears to be the case that some new thinking is going to help. Changes absolutely coming to Mondelez. Let's move on to Groupon. Uh, second quarter revenue came in lower than expected, but it couldn't have been that bad because shares of Groupon are up more than 7% this morning. I don't know where to go with this one. I'll be absolutely honest. The thing I can't get over with Groupon, and we've, we've talked plenty of times in this calendar year about Snap and Blue Apron and the the way those stocks have gone since their IPO, and they pale in comparison to Groupon, which since its IPO in late 2011, that stock is down. Even with today's move, that stock is down more than 80%. And I just don't see the case for this company. It seems like it is, it is, it really does belong as part of someone else's empire. And I don't I'm sure there is a price at which someone whether it was Google or uh, perhaps even Facebook I, there's a price at which they would probably pay to acquire Groupon but I it can't be a whole lot higher than where it is today. Yeah, I guess I got to wonder as to why there is a price that they would acquire Groupon at, right? Uh, granted Groupon has an email database. They've got a lot of people uh, in, you know, ignoring their their daily emails. Um, and are you on their list? I don't think so. I mean, the, the or the spam filter is doing its job, um, but I don't think I'm on it. I, I assume they're inundating people with the daily emails, uh, and if you choose to to get those, but those those names, Facebook and and Google and uh, Amazon. They've already got your email. They've already got everybody's email. They don't. If if they don't have it, Groupon isn't going to have it because you're you're got to be off the grid. I think. No, I think that's probably right. We talked the other day. So why is anybody going to acquire? Why are those people going to acquire Groupon? So one thing we talked about the other day was um, 
Costco marketing their memberships through Groupon. And we were just sort of laughing because I think we, and by we I mean Jason Moser and Chandler Muckerman and I, all had the same gut reaction, which was a slight wincing, like, oh God, what is Costco doing? But then the more we talked about it, it was, well, you know what? If this actually, first of all, this is a relatively small test, presumably for Costco. And if it is effective for Costco, then they've gotten people into their membership. We know Costco is already really good at retaining members, so that could be a smart move for them. That got me thinking about this latest quarter for Groupon. I mean, maybe that gives this company a little bit of life if they are seen as a really effective way of getting people into memberships, but the whole one-off experience thing, I don't know. It's just all you have to do is look at the performance of the stock since they went public to know the health of this company and it's not great. No, it's not great and it's sort of although, you know, it's bounced significantly off of its lowest lows uh, of of the year and so there's a little bit of a little bit of hope. They do have enough people to say in the database that that if they can come upon a more useful Way to get offers to people than they have, uh, and and advertising, of course, something they've been really firing on all cylinders on, in your opinion, <laughs> on YouTube. Oh my yeah. God, those things are the worst. They're just absolutely the worst. They they are the. What most, are those things? Because the, they they're not targeting me. They're they're YouTube ads. So if you go on YouTube, I do go on YouTube. All right, and I, and I so, see helpful ads. Um, you know what? There, there are some creative ads on YouTube these days, and some that will actually that are creative, creative enough that I will actually sit and watch them before whatever video I'm about I'm looking for actually loads. But Groupon has. I'm not going to uh, pain. Could people. you sing a little bit of no, it? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pain people with with this the annoying singing Groupon ads. Those people know who they are. It's and it's a it's just an absolutely. Whatever this ad agency in in Chicago that came up with them, just oh my gosh, you you got to be concerned. You got to be concerned if you find out that your ad business is done by the same people yeah. in Chicago who are doing the group on YouTube ads. You know what? There's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, I think right that... now they're getting talked about a lot. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, you've got dozens of uh, listeners, and they're all hearing about this, going to YouTube right now. Loading, loading, loading again, waiting for that Groupon ad to assault them. And as soon as they see it, they're going to know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, before we get to our next story, I want to say thanks to Bombfels for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Bombfell is an online personal styling service for men that helps find the right clothes for you. It's an easier way to get better clothes, and I am completely in favor of that because I am just not even remotely a fan of shopping for clothes. And what's great about Bombfell is they basically do all the work for you. They make it really easy. You go to bombfell.com/fool and you fill out a simple questionnaire, and you're matched with a dedicated personal stylist who handpicks every piece. They'll email you a few selection, and you've got 48 hours to make any changes you want. You can even cancel altogether. You're in complete control of the whole process. And everything is just shipped right to your door. You don't have to spend hours shopping at the store, and you pay for the clothes that you keep, and you send the rest back at no charge. It is the only styling service that doesn't charge a styling fee or a subscription fee. Um, I went through this. I was talking about this with um, uh, your colleague Brian Hinman uh, earlier, and, and saying, 
there are plenty of websites, whether they are clothing services or travel services, there are plenty of websites that's, that essentially greet you with, hey, we want to help you, we just need to ask you a few questions. And some of them are really badly designed. And that's one of the things I actually like about Bombfell was it was a very smooth, simple process. Um, and uh, actually, the, the shirt I'm wearing right now got through Bombfell. Uh, we've got a special offer from our, uh, for our dozens of listeners. You get $25 off your first purchase. Go to bombfell.com slash fool. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash fool. Bombfell.com slash fool. And get $25 off your first purchase. AMC Entertainment. Holy cow, what a dumpster fire that thing is today. Uh, warning on their second quarter results, and the stock is down 24%. And this is absolutely one of those cases where they are dragging other stocks down with them. Uh, this is the movie theater company, uh, AMC. Uh, you look at uh, Regal Cinemas today, you look at NCMI today, both those stocks down, just being dragged down by a, a horrible warning by AMC. And if you're just looking at box office numbers, this is a little bit of a surprise. I mean, in terms of how the box office is doing in in 2017, overall it's doing fine. If you look at what AMC is is reporting about the state of their business, uh, things are not well. Well, you say the U.S. box office is doing just fine. Uh, AMC has said in its uh, report that U.S. box office declined 4.4 percent uh, in the second quarter. So that's not 26 percent, which is what the stock has declined by, uh, but it it is yet another data point in the bare case that people are not going to theaters anymore, and it's a they're still getting in you know one point two billion a year, I guess, um, you know, in revenue, uh, but it it or for the quarter. But it's just getting too expensive to go to the theater, and and what do you get in return for it compared to what you get at home? It's the same thing is going on to a lesser extent in restaurants versus home meal, whether it's delivery or just preparation. The the gap between the price of doing something at home and the price of going out to do it is growing, and it is not growing. Uh, in a way that helps AMC, and they are not adding enough services, try as they might, to have more, you know, restaurant options, uh, food in the theaters, or drink, or more reclining chairs. All of this is costing them, and it's not adding up to an experience that people are, you know, taking them up on. Uh, they also locally here in the DC area had a little bit of a. Uh PR snafu. You say there's no such thing as bad press, but AMC got some bad press here in D.C. because there's an iconic movie theater in Northwest Washington D.C., the Uptown, and just this fabulous marquee and just a gorgeous old theater. And I've only been to a few movies in my lifetime in that theater, but it is very like it is a truly grand theater to go see a movie in. And AMC bought it. And announced that they were going to be taking down the iconic marquee and putting up their own name, which is certainly their right because they they want to get the AMC brand out there. 
and there was just utter outrage from people in DC, and they they quickly and I would say wisely reversed course on that decision. Yeah, they didn't quite understand uh, that it was an iconic. Uh, not just place to go, but sign to be seen uh, driving up and down the Connecticut street traffic. Uh, you see it for a long time at times as the traffic doesn't move very quickly. In right. particular <laughs> Depending spot. on the time of day. Uh, and I'm just looking at the, the local AMC theater. Uh, give them a little uh, publicity Hoffman Center 22. You can go to 22 different screens there. This is just a few blocks from our office. And they're playing Fast Times at Ridgemont High for some reason. Really? Yeah. You can pay, I don't know, ten fifty uh, to go see Fast Times at Ridgemont High on the screen for some reason. And then, well, you know, you, where else are you going to find seven, eight dollar popcorn? So I guess it makes <laughs> sense. You're not going to be able to do that at home. I'm a fan of that movie, but there's nothing about that movie that that screams, "Boy, you got to see this on the big screen." Whereas uh, when Gene Wilder died last year. And there were AMC movie theaters, including the the one close to Full HQ, that showed Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein for a weekend. I did pay money to go see Blazing Saddles because I loved that movie, and I had never seen it on the big screen. And and I applaud the move to show older movies. Uh, to try and bring in a different clientele, but that's yeah, you, you got to give me a good reason to see it on the big screen. But they're like, like, like Lawrence of Arabia. That's a big screen. That's a, that's a movie yeah. you got to see on the big screen. Yeah, you, you never think that with Fast Times. It, it seems <laughs> perfectly appropriate to watch that at home. Um, easier to drink, I think, while you're watching it. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to go back to movies in just a second, but first, an announcement. Speaking of Washington, D.C. and local events, we're going to be doing a live taping of Market Foolery next week, Wednesday, August 9th. We're going to be doing this at Chatter, which is a restaurant in D.C. in Friendship Heights. We put this news out on Twitter. Uh, and on Facebook, and if you email us, marketfoolery at fool.com, we'll send you all the details. But uh, you can also just look up online, chatterdc.com is, is the restaurant's website. Uh, it's going to be myself, uh, Bill Barker, Ron Gross, and of course, our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, will be there making sure all the equipment works. Uh, this is a restaurant in DC that has a podcast studio. If you're familiar with Tony Kornheiser, uh, one of the longtime co-hosts of the highly successful ESPN show, Pardon the Interruption. That's where he tapes his podcast, and we're going to be doing it 11.30 in the morning, doors open. So, uh, come on out. We'd love to see you. That's August 9th, 11.30 a.m. at Chatter in Washington, D.C. I'm not going to go see Fast Times at Ridgemont High. How about Princess Bride? Is that playing also on in, the, in October? In yeah, October. Pre-sale tickets now available. I would go see that on the big screen. I mean, I saw it when it came out on the big screen, but I would take my kids because that's a that's a movie we all we all love. Are there any like first-run movies that are coming this fall besides, of course, Star Wars: The Last Jedi? I think we, you know, everyone in the world is going to go see that. But like, what what is coming this fall that you think you know what? I'm going to pay my I'm going to go to the theater to see that. That's probably it. Uh, really? Yeah. I mean, I I, I still what? owe Dunkirk a watch. Because I think that's a, a big screen movie. Have that you is seen a, it. That I, I have not seen it. That is absolutely a big screen movie. I am a little surprised that as big a tennis fan as you are, 
that the upcoming uh, film this fall, Battle of the Sexes, where Steve Carell plays Bobby Riggs and Emma Stone plays Billie Jean King, that looks like a really good movie, and I'm surprised that that's not on your list to see. It doesn't scream out like big screen, you know. Like I can wait, I can wait for that. There, there are 50 different TV series that I haven't watched yet, which everybody says I must watch, <laughs> uh, that I haven't gotten around to. So why spend, you know, twenty, thirty bucks uh, before the popcorn, which I always get. So that's another ten bucks. Uh, to, that's to your watch go- that. That's your go-to move in the movie theater. Like I, I have to have popcorn. Yeah. Well, I am an American. Well. <laughs> So oh, you know what do you what do you have? I I, I can skip the popcorn. I I, I can take or leave communist? the popcorn. What is this? What's I mean, more American than having popcorn in a movie theater? Uh, we raisin- invented that, right? Ra- <laughs> we probably not. Did we? Invent- I, don't I don't think know. we invented that. Uh, Raisinets. Raisinets. Yeah. Oh, that's just because of uh, blazing, know, saddles. blazing saddles. It all goes back that's to blazing saddles. <laughs> so to go go into some actual you know business discussion of AMC. Here's their their solution. Um, they're going to implement. Cost-saving and revenue-enhancing measures, including promotional offers, strategic pricing, and a reduction in operating hours and staffing. So they're going to show fewer movies. And I don't know. Uh, that's going to save them some money. Showing fewer movies. I think showing fewer. Well, they're yeah. If they're operating fewer hours, I mean, maybe that means on a you know Wednesday in November we're not showing. Uh, there is no reason. To show something at twelve in the afternoon for two people. Okay, I can see that. Maybe, uh, but it's it's going to be a reduction, I think, in services and more promotional pricing. Now, promotional pricing might just be, you know, get three pop, three large popcorns and two drinks for thirty five bucks rather than thirty nine. That sounds like a deal you'd be all over. Well, if you want, <laughs> that might be the promotion. I don't know. I'm sure they've got some levers that they can. They can uh, work with there, but it's it's a long term problem that that the viewing options of screens at home get better and better and better, and everybody gets more and more access to uh, larger databases from Netflix and Amazon Prime and and everything else. The theaters are uh, continuing to suffer, and if you start compounding four percent decline. Uh, year over year, you get to you know danger zone very quickly. Murder on the Orient Express. That's one I'm crossing my fingers for. I'm hopeful that the reviews when it comes out this fall are positive because that's that's when I saw a movie recently and that was one of the previews. I thought, oh, I really hope that's good because I could a really good Agatha Christie murder mystery. Come yeah. on, Who's I directed an Agatha Christie play in high school. What? Yes. <laughs> Wait a minute! Wait a minute! And boy, was it bad. The play itself was not bad. It was the director. Was it Ten Little Indians? No, it was the little-known Appointment with Death, which is- was uh, made into a movie at some point, which m- might have been called Murder Under the Sun uh, as a movie. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, yeah, Murder Under the Sun. Well, yeah, I know it is Murder Under the Sun, but yeah. that's. What did you do as a director that, if you look back on, you think, "Well, here's one thing I would do differently." Or slash better. One thing I would do differently is not determine which play to direct based upon how many of my friends I wanted to get into the cast. I think that was a poor choice, and I think I'd choose a different director. <laughs> That's a smart move <laughs> because I, I think that would have helped. Uh, I, I put a lot of effort into it, but I do not. I don't think that's where my talents ultimately lie. Is in uh, stage direction. 
I think the fact that you uh, made a career for yourself that has absolutely nothing to do with the creative arts indicates that that was a smart decision on your part. You can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. You can go to foolfunds.com and sign up for declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter from the Fool Funds team. Check it out. It's great content. Uh, and it, again, it's free. What would you say is the highlight of your onstage uh, repertoire? Because uh, you, you were. You, being nowhere near your directing career. That was probably, in hindsight. Now that I know that, that's that was, was it high school. Was it was college? Hard. You performed with some people in college, right? I did. Uh, performed uh, with um, yeah, a couple of people here and there. We'll talk about that after the show. We got to wrap up and get out of here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in the Motley Fool. May have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. He rode a blazing saddle. He wore a shining star. His job to offer battle to bad men near and far. He conquered fear and he conquered hate. He turned dark night into day. He made his blazing saddle a torch to light the way. When outlaws rule the West and fear filled the land, a cry went up for a man with guts to take the West in hand. They needed a man who was brave and true, with justice for all as his aim. Then out of the sun rode a man with a gun, and Bart was his name. Yes, Bart was his name. He rode a blazing saddle, he wore a shining star. His job to offer battle to bad men near and far. He turned dark night into day. He made his blazing saddle a torch 